Welcome everybody to the Wide in the Middle, your home for all things racing. With of course me, Tom Spanning, and my man Keith Bradley. Keith, how's it going? What is going on? First off, I want to start off by giving you a big birthday shout out, my yeah, dude. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, I uh, the big the big four zero. I cannot believe I'm forty years old. It's freaking. God damn, you're getting old. I know, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> it's so nuts, and I don't. Um, I honestly don't feel it. Like I know most people, they you know they're like, oh my god, when you get to forty, you feel you feel so old, or you hit this, and you're just like, oh my god. And to me, I you know, and maybe it's be- maybe it's because of the life I led. Maybe because from from you know sixteen to twenty eight, it was nothing but a you know opiate field <laughs> build a addiction for you know more than a decade. I, and and you know I didn't finally get things figured out until I was like 30 but I I feel I honestly feel as good as I've ever felt um you know in my life so it's 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 crazy I know I know I'm busier now than I've ever been in my life so it's always uh, a good thing though yeah it is well that's it, you know that's the thing you know I was I was telling my wife I'm like it's just a number it's just a number who cares like you know as long as I stay active and keep you know keep doing stuff it's like it's, like, it's just a number you know so but either way, I am starting to starting to kind of show it with all my gray hair and my gray beard and everything else. So we'll have to. Oh, don't feel bad. I got gray in my beard too. <laughs> Dude, my my brother who is he's younger than me. He's only younger than me by like twenty months. So like we're pretty we're almost Irish twins. Um, but his hair is all white, and he's he's been all gray since he was like twenty five. Like he was one of those, he's just one of those people that like just, he got gray hair. He started having gray hair when he was like 12 years old. Like it was, <laughs> it was insane. You know what I mean? And we were pretty fortunate because I've always said, I'm like, look, I'll die with the full head of hair, which is, which is awesome. Um, but it'll be gray. You know what I mean? Like, it'll just be gray. That's just how, what'll happen. And my brother is that way. You know, he's just completely gray. People see us all the time. Yeah, when we're doing the auto glass business and they think that he's older than me and it's like no <laughs> uh, i'm actually the older of the two but yeah because he's, I he's just the, yeah gray everywhere i got the salt and pepper look going so yeah see i've got that i've got that a little bit in my in my beard um it, it, you can definitely see it in my beard especially like in the front part you know around my chin and stuff it's 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 got you know quite a bit of gray coming through and then i do have some gray hair on my head but uh for the most part it's not that bad like my wife is always like when are you gonna dye your hair i'm like never never i'm not going to the moment i start doing that i have to do it forever I'm not going to do it. Yeah, there's no going back from it. No, you got to do it the rest of your life. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, what happened to aging gracefully? Like what when did that become a thing that you like can't do? I'm like, I don't get it. Like why why do I have to like dye my hair and try to be a 25-year-old? That's I'm, that's I'm not that. You know what I mean? So no, uh, I'll pass. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I don't want to spend all my money on just for men. I don't need that crap. So but anyways, yep. Yeah got the birthday today which is which is cool gonna go go have breakfast with the family before i go to work for the day and uh yeah but we got a bunch of stuff to talk to on a cover today on the podcast some uh big news coming out with hendrick motorsports appeal we'll get to that in hit or miss and obviously we had the we race this last weekend at coda and Tyler Reddick getting the win and showing just how freaking awesome he is. So before we dive into all that stuff, though, there's something that I've got to cover because I keep hearing more and more about it, or I keep hearing more of it. And it's getting to a point now where it's just driving me nuts because I'm one of those people that I don't like to to comment or art or more specifically argue about things. And I've been this way my whole life. I've always said, if I'm arguing with you on a topic, it's because I know what I'm talking about, right? I might not always be right. Okay. In, in the factual sense of being, and being right. And what I mean by that is, is I might see things in my mind as right. And you could very easily persuade me otherwise but in that moment i believe i'm right i will not just sit there and argue to argue we all know those people who will argue a point 
And even when they're wrong, they'll continue to argue. Women are very much like this, at least my wife is, right? Where you could prove them wrong, and then the topic just changes. And it's like, why are we arguing about this? We, we weren't even, but where did this come from? But it's because <laughs> you've already killed the last point. You won, but now they've got to move on to another battleground because <laughs> they need something to win. Okay. So I'm not one of those people. Um, but lately I have seen more and more and more of these, what I call fair weather F1 fans commenting about NASCAR, and they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Not only that, they're making stupid comments. Okay. They're, 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 they're not even making the correct points. All right. And this is something that drives me nuts. One of the things that I tell my son all the time, because you'll, my son's 10. There's very few people on the planet who talk less than my son. Okay, that that I am not that is not an exaggeration. My son talks so much, it's not even funny. Okay. In fact, I tell him all the time, I'm like, dude, if you weren't my son, if I didn't love you so much, I would tell you to shut up. Like he talks that much. He just for whatever reason he has this thing that he just feels he has to talk and talk continuously. And I tell him all the time, Mike, buddy. The things you don't say make the things you do say that much more important, right? Mike Tirico, one of the great sports announcers, he says, the points you don't make make the points you do make that much stronger. And it's the same thing with this. People are out there talking about how NASCAR sucks, how NASCAR's racing is boring, and how it needs to be more like F1 because F1 is exciting. And this is an argument that is so misplaced. That is so stupid, okay, that when I hear it, it literally makes me want to pull my hair out, all right? Do not tell me that F1's racing is so exciting, okay, and NASCAR is boring. And look, me and Keith, Keith, we can attest to this. We have been very open and honest when there's been races that were like, dude, that was kind of boring. That was not fun. It sucked, right? The short track racing with this next-gen car has not been very good. It's it's been pretty shitty for the last year plus, all right? But there has been a lot of exciting racings, of exciting races. On the F1 front, to sit there and talk about how F1 is more competitive and more exciting is one of the dumbest arguments I've ever heard and why people think this is a good argument to make is absolutely beyond me, okay? I can tell you right now who's going to win 70% of the F1 races right now and I don't need to watch another race. I could literally do it with my eyes closed, okay? Red Bull will win. They will win the championship. They will win the constructors championship. All right. And one of their drivers, probably Max Verstappen, will win the driver's championship. Bottom line, end of story. That's the way that it is. When the hybrid era first came out, the entire 2010s were owned by two teams, Red Bull and Mercedes. Red Bull dominated the first four years with uh, Sebastian Vettel. Then Mercedes came in, dominated with Lewis Hamilton and the year, the one year with Nico Rosberg where they won the championship. And then Red Bull closed it out the last year before they switched to this new car. And now Red Bull's been dominating once again with Max Verstappen. It's utterly insane to say that the racing in F1 is more exciting in terms of battles and passing and stuff like that. It is completely different. And if you're going to make an argument like that, at least make it from a grounds of understanding. I have been very open and honest about the fact that I think, and Keith, we've talked about this, that Formula One show Drive to Survive is the greatest marketing that I've ever seen for anything, okay? I've spent the last decade of my life intensely studying, implementing, using things in not only my business, but also learning in terms of marketing, sales, influence, persuasion, psychology, behavioral economics, all that stuff. I've studied it intensely and I use it every single day. Okay. So I, I'm not an expert on this, but I'm pretty damn good about, I'm pretty damn good with it. All right. I understand it better than most people do. And formula one show drive to survive was the greatest bit of marketing that you will ever see in the history of sports. There's no, it's why all it's why you see all these other sports series out there, whether it's golf with full swing, 
NASCAR's race for the championship, right? You've got that the tennis one on um, Netflix. I can't remember what it's called, but they're all trying to implement drive to they're all, they're all trying to do what drive to survive did okay and drive to survive was genius because it introduced america to these drivers you got invested into the people the characters and that's what makes f1 so great when you actually know these people because before you know them they're just these guys who are in these incredible pieces of machinery right that's that's the way most americans saw it and most Americans looked at it as basically what it was for years and years and years. It's like, oh, so you mean that this Lewis Hamilton guy just wins every race by 20 seconds and the rest of the field's battling for third place? Like, wow, that's that's entertaining, right? That is still, it's still the same, right? F1 is still the same. It's still doing the same thing, right? Sergio Perez dominated last week at Saudi Arabia, right? Max Verstappen came from 15th to finish second. Okay, they are the two most dominant cars, their head and shoulders above everybody else. If you put not to take anything away from Max Verstappen, but if you put Lewis Hamilton in Max Verstappen's car, he would be dominating once again. Just like had you put Max Verstappen in Lewis Hamilton's dominant Mercedes, he would have done the same thing. Okay, those guys are incredible talents, and when they have the best car on the grid, it's not even close. And every race going in, unless something breaks or happens, right, some kind of massive wreck, you can pretty much guarantee that there's going to be a Red Bull car standing on top of the box. So don't tell me how NASCAR can't compete with F1 in terms of excitement and racing, because that is a stupid argument. Okay, this is coming from people who got involved in F1, who started following F1 because of Drive to Survive, and now they make ignorant comments and they don't know what they're talking about. This last week's race at Coda was incredible. Apps, you know, removed the the absolute cluster that we had at the end there, where literally the racing gods did everything in their power to try to take the win from Tyler Reddick with all those stupid freaking green white checkers. But up to that point, it was a great race. It was a great race. And go listen to those F1 drivers that were in that race. Go listen to Jensen Button and Kimi Räikkönen. They're like, dude, never have we been going through chicanes with the car literally just double file. Never gone through so many turns double file in my entire racing life. But that's how NASCAR is. Just because it's different does not mean it's not exciting. And yes, there are things that we would love to see improved on the NASCAR front. I, one thing I love about F1 is I love the fact that the teams build the cars. I love that. I wish we had more of that in NASCAR. That was one of the things I loved. But I understand the reason for the next-gen car. I understand the reason why we have these parts suppliers and why they want to try to keep things more narrowed because absolutely, 100%, you will see teams spend an endless amount of money trying to modify or create some piece that will give them a couple of tents over the course of a race because that can literally win you a championship. So I get it, but it's different. It does not mean that it's bad. It's different. And when people who literally, you can tell by the way that they talk about it, comment about how much better and more exciting F1 is in terms of passing and racing compared to NASCAR. And they talk about it in a way that literally they might as well wear a sign around their neck that says started watching because of drive to survive. Shut up. Because if you're going to make ignorant points or you're going to try to prove a point, at least do it from the stance or an angle that shows you actually know what you're talking about instead of just literally regurgitating something you heard somebody else say on social media. Today's episode is brought to you by Produxa. Look, you guys, when it comes to protecting and adding a mirror-like shine to your surfaces, you pretty much have two options. You can go with one of those low, you know, quality products out there. Uh, you know, do the old school, like my parents used to do, use the old dish soap to wash your car, or you can go with Produxa. You guys, I've personally used this stuff, and it works incredible, man. Whether it's their ceramic coating, their wash, their tire shine, and it not only looks great, but it's super easy to use. I mean, my 10-year-old son was helping me use this stuff, and we used it on my daughter's car, and the car literally looked new. And my daughter's 17, so you can imagine that the car did not look new before we washed it. So if you want to actually give your car a mirror-like shine while in the process protecting it, 
head over to Produxa.com or the link down in the description below and check out their full line of products today. I can promise you, you will love them. All right, so now that we got the ranting out of the way, but Keith, I don't know where you stand on that, but that that stuff drives me nuts, man. I, I have, have you been hearing that crap everywhere? I, it seems like I've been hearing more and more of it lately on social media. Yeah, and, and I'm confused because you can go onto YouTube and you can find more exciting NASCAR finishes than you can F1 finishes. Well, That's not just... Yeah, but I mean... not only that, look at the championships and the points battles and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, and since the playoffs has been implemented into nascar i think it's only gotten more exciting yeah well and not only that but even if you look at it before the playoffs right you could go through and if we look at let's say the modern era right because obviously you can go back pre-modern era and you can find some seasons where richard petty was winning like 50 percent of the races but you know you look at the modern era you don't have a dominant season by a driver every single year, right? It's it's not like that, right? You think back and like, you know, 1998, right? Which was literally like at the probably apex mountain of my NASCAR fandom. And Jeff Gordon dominated that season, right? Mark Martin had one of the greatest seasons. This is probably his greatest racing season ever. And he finished second in the points because Jeff Gordon was so dominant. But that's not a yearly occurrence, right? We had Kyle Larson a few years ago win, what was it, 10 races and the championship. But that's not an every year thing. Go back and look at the championships that Jimmy Johnson won. Many of those, he, he, he it's not like he was out there winning 12, 13, 15 races, right? In F1, you see these guys. Verstappen won, what, 85% of the races last season? Like, it, it wasn't well, even close. And, and, and you can even go back to when Harvick won 10 races at, what was it, three seasons ago? And yeah. didn't win the championship. I mean, that just... I don't know. I yeah. just, I, 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 I can't think or even come to terms to think that F1 is more exciting than the stock car racing we have in the States. Yeah. I just, it, to me, it's different and it should, that should be celebrated, but don't, yeah. don't well, to me, these guys who bury NASCAR talking up F1 and it's like, dude, stop. Yeah. <laughs> stop. It's well, driving me nuts. And and I I don't ever recall seeing a F one finish be an eyelash. No, uh uh-uh. uh. I mean, not, just not in a, recent you memory. You can't really compare the two disciplines of racing. I mean, they're F one's exciting in its own way. Yes, NASCAR's exciting in its own way, and you really can't compare the two together. Yeah, they're completely different, and that's the thing. That's the way that it should be celebrated. I mean, me personally, I think dirt racing's more exciting than Formula One. But that's just me. I'm not yes. a big Formula One guy. Yes, I, I, I'm with you. I do too. I love Formula One because to me, I the strategy love is what the, I like. Yes, the strategy and then the machines, right? The cars that they build are incredible, right? Like it's it's like space age. You know what I mean? Like that's what it looks like when you look at these cars. They're absolutely insane, right? And the guys, the the driving that they do right, is incredible. Yes, there are some times where you've got these these battles on the track and it's really cool and they've got the drs and all that stuff like that and there's some really good racing but it's it's its own thing right dirt racing to me like i love it it's just exciting because to me i don't think there's to me i don't think there's anything more exciting than you cut 30 laps right and it's you know 20 20 24 cars out there on a half mile or a quarter mile right whatever it is and it's you know go get it done right but it's pedal to the metal I love that. To me, that's to me that's the most exciting racing there, that there is. And NASCAR is exciting for its own its own you know sense, its own thing, right? So I get all that, and that's perfectly fine. It's I I think we should celebrate the differences, not try to build one up by by tearing the other one down when you don't know what you're talking about. That drives me nuts, and I just seem to hear more and more of that recently. And it seems like it's just coming from people who don't know what the hell they're talking about. And I just, yeah, it just drives me nuts. But anyways, moving on. I don't want this whole thing to be us talking about morons. Um, It is time for hit or miss. And we've got a bunch of topics to cover today. We do got some CODA stuff to cover, obviously. Uh, We've got the Hendrick penalty uh, appeal to cover. But before 
we get to those things. First up is dirt racing because it has been, uh, it's been uh, kind of hit or miss itself. So Keith, the major dirt racing tours should look to push back the start of their seasons to avoid this massive lull between February and April. Hit or miss the mark? I, I think it misses the mark just because the seasons between all the national series, the seasons are already long enough. And I think if you just push them back, it's just going to push them into the colder months of the winter. And anybody that knows dirt racing, it sucks racing on dirt in the winter time. I mean, it's hard on the motors because you got to keep them warm for one, and and they don't run the traditional engine coolant, or most mm -hmm. don't. And at least on the sprint car side, I know we always ram water in our radiators. I don't know what they do. I'm sure they do the same thing on the late model side. I think I would think, but with the methanol and everything else, I mean, I, I if there was a way where you could work around it to where the season ain't nearly as long. But it just sucks. Dirt racing in the middle of April, beginning stages of spring, just sucks because it, it rains constantly. Yes, it does. And and if there's a way to maybe go to the West Coast first to get away from the rain for the most part, and then yeah. make your way this way, that would be better. That yeah, in my eyes, that would be better. Yeah. Well, I think it actually hits the mark, and and here's why. I don't think they need to lengthen the season. I don't think they need to. Um, when I say push it back, what I mean is, is this, this, you know, winter nationals, right? The, the, you know, East Bay, Volusia, all that stuff is great, but you do that and you've got this big, exciting big start gap. kick to yeah. this kickoff to the season. And then you've got nothing, right? And we, yes, we've had, a, like, what do we do now? <laughs> yeah. And we've had a lot of shows rained out and stuff like that, but even then there's still massive gaps. So I would personally love to see them just take winter and, nationals move it back a month but do it at and, the end of february or the beginning you know middle of march and that since i i agree i yeah. agree with that and and what i would like to see them do and i don't know if they could do it logistically wise maybe do the winter nationals and then head out west go, go to like i don't know texas oklahoma out further west do some racing there and then make your way back to start the season over here on the east coast if that's what your prerogative is but yeah i agree with that though yeah that, that there shouldn't be a month of layover no and then when you get these rainouts, now it's going to be two months right yeah i mean dude the, the late two, models two and have, and a half. I mean, yeah the late <laughs> models have hardly ran the sprint cars i mean they just finally got some racing in this last weekend you know what i mean it's just been these massive gaps and when you're a race team right and you got to travel like that. You got you got a hauler to take across, even if it's just a couple of states. Those costs add up. And when you're doing it at this time of the year, and obviously rainouts have been much more prevalent this year. Look here, where I'm at in Northern California, this has been a winter or, or this has been a rain season from the likes that we haven't seen literally in more than 20 years. The last time we had a rain season like this, we had to evacuate because it was going to flood. It actually did flood. Okay. So it's been crazy. But even then, if you go back and you look through the years, this is not that um, crazy what we've seen. We have these rainouts every year, right? Obviously we've had more this year, but this massive gap, it just seems to me like they do this, we get the season going and everything's exciting and kicks off. And then it's like, boom, right? Could you imagine the NFL season, right? Doing preseason football and then and the being like, all right, we'll see you back in October for the regular season. Yeah. Be like, what? I, wait, I what? Yeah. You know, because that's my thing. What, what don't make any sense to me. And I'm sure somebody out there can educate me on it. You do the winter nationals. You take, what was it? The outlaws took, four four and a half weeks off and then yeah. they turned around and went right back to florida yeah why not run the whole time you're down there if you're gonna I do mean, that if you're gonna start yep if you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna do that down there just, then just run in florida you could go to east bay you could go to bubba raceway park you could run a couple more nights of volusia i mean mm -hmm. yeah it'd be hard on the cars because it's a big ass racetrack but there's more dirt tracks around the florida area than where they're running now yeah, I mean they could they could venture on over 
to where they race this weekend mm-hmm. and 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 to shorten that law in between and and i don't i don't know if it'd be possible for usac but in in a way i think it could be possible if usac could do the same thing because let's be honest they raced what in february early february they've been off usac kicks off their season the saturday so that damn near a month and a half of yep. race you race and then you're off for another month and yep. a half yeah so I just think, you know, to me, for me personally, it seems like we've got the Chili Bowl in January, obviously, and it's a it's a huge event. And to me, I would kind of just my own personal preference. I would like to see that kind of be the end. And then we've got a break. And then once racing kicks back off, then let's kick it back off. Let's not start it up and then shut it down for six weeks and then start it back up again. It's just it's just tough. And then, like I said, when you have these rain, when you have these rainouts, it just makes it even harder for the team. So, well, yeah. And it, and like what you're saying, harder on the teams. I mean, let's be honest, yeah. it costs probably $1,300 to fill a hauler up with just diesel fuel. That's not counting paying your guys. Yep. Most teams have two to three guys. So you got to pay mm-hmm. them hotel stays, yep. possibly food. That's just, you're, you're pissing in the wind at that point. Yep. Well, look, I mean, I was talking to, uh, one of the guys, one of the shop owners, um, he owns an auto body shop and I, my glass business, we, we work with them. We do all their glass work and me and him were talking this last week and he runs sprint cars out here out, out on the West coast and they run, you know, the, they change the name all the time, but you know, they've got the, the NARC series out here. Now they've got the King of the West or the golden state challenge or whatever the hell they call it. And he was like, I can't run local shows anymore. He goes, because it's, you know, it's, it's 1100 to the winner. He goes, it costs me $2,000 just to drop the door on my hauler. Meaning that for him to take it to the track and run the car, it's two grand, right? That this is a regional series. This ain't the outlaws. So, you know, when you talk about these, these Lucas oil, late models, world of outlaw, late models, the world of outlaw sprint cars, all stars, right? These are top tier teams. I'm imagining it's going to cost way more than $2,000 for them to drop the door at one of these national tour events. So yeah, to me, I would just like to see the the gap, the lull be, be decreased. And when the season kicks off, let's kick the season off and have it go. So yeah. All right, moving on. Saturday or Sunday's race at Kodo, there was obviously a lot of excitement and things happening. And one of them was Daniel Suarez, his uh, reaction. So Daniel Suarez should be penalized for running down Alex Bowman and hitting him on pit road after the end of the race at Coda. Hit or miss the mark? I think this hits the mark a thousand times over and over and over again. Um, after last season with Ty Gibbs pulling the stunt he pulled on pit road, almost did an official. They yes. set the president there and then mm-hmm. they had to carry it on with Daniel and yeah, grain it. Did Bowman hit an official? No. Was it close? No, but there's that. What if factor? What if, what if Daniel hit Alex just as hard to cause Alex to hit the, uh, the throttle pedal and run somebody over? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And not only that, but if you actually look at what happened, it wasn't Bowman's fault. Like I, <laughs> Bowman didn't clean him out, right? He the one car was obviously involved, but it, it wasn't like Chastain was just running up. There were you had a bunch of cars there. Everyone's hit banging into each other. It's racing. Bowman didn't drive him dirty. This is something, you know, Harvick said this what was it last year when he got mad wrecked into you know hit somebody and then watched the video later and was like damn it i hit the wrong person right like you know these guys really need to sit down and watch the video before they go out and wreck into each into one another because a lot of times it's not what they think it's not you know it's not what what they think happened we see this all the time just in sim racing where people be like, dude, what the hell? And it's like, dude, go back and watch it. I, I didn't touch you. I wasn't anywhere near you. It wasn't me. It was the guy next to me, right? And people's emotions in a real race car, obviously, are going to be even more heightened. And I know it's hard to do, but just take a breath. I get it. You were having a great race, Suarez, and it did not end the way that you wanted it to. 
but don't just paint a target on Bowman and now take it out on him, especially if you're not 100% sure that you know what happened. And definitely don't do it on pit road where, like you said, Keith, even if there wasn't an official standing right there by Bowman's car, it's the what if factor. We know there are officials there. There are people yeah, walking around. And, you can't have that. And, and, and what makes it even more concerning is the official is close, but not like he could reach out and touch the car. Mm-hmm. One, one good shot to the back bumper and, and maybe Alex not paying attention. And his foot slips off the brake, and it and he hits the throttle pedal, like I said, and he, yeah. and he hits the official. Then what happens? Then yep. what do you do? And and what really it irritated me more than anything that Daniel Suarez was doing this. He, we we don't know the safety factor with the back end of the car yet. Yep, there's still that concern. I mean, we we as racers know that at the end of the race, you're more likely your, your belts are loosened. Your helmet could either be a on or be off. Yep. More than likely his was probably still on, but we don't know that. And you can't, and there's no way that Daniel could know that. Yep. And, and, and if he wants to beat somebody's back bumper off, he probably should turn around and look at his teammate. Cause it all stemmed from that. Yep. And <laughs> it, it was a freaking shit show getting into turn one anyway, because I mean, you got to yeah. get what you got to get. But on the other hand, I, 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 it's just so damn hard to say what you could do in that situation. I don't know what I would have done. I probably, probably would have reacted the, maybe a similar way, maybe catch up to him before he gets on pit road and, and beat his back bumper off then. But damn it, not on pit road. Yeah. Not after last year. Cause Ty Dillon or Ty Gibbs was close. Mm-hmm. I think he was the closest that I've ever seen, and we just don't need that. No, in any don't. sport, you don't you don't need any any official getting hurt, any crew member, or even even any fan that is on mm-hmm. pit road, because I think they open it up to hot pass members when the race is over. Yeah, it, there's just a big what if factor because yeah. if you do run somebody over, nobody knows what happens. Nobody. Yep. There, there's no clear answer on what happens if that person is ran over or what happens to the driver that runs over that person. It just, it's not safe. It's not safe at all. Yep, exactly. So I'm with you. All right. Moving on this past weekend at Cota saw the official death of success for the road course ringer. And let me clarify what I mean. It used to be back in the day, back when we only had like, you know, two road courses on the schedule. If you were a road course ringer, you could show up and immediately run up front, right? Like that was it. This last weekend at Coda proved that those days are gone. Hit or miss the mark. I think it hits the mark. I'm um, with you 100%. The, the finishes show. And, and I do got to give Jordan Taylor a pat on the back for qualifying inside the top 10. But on the other hand, and I've said this to people in sim racing, it's easy to be fast by yourself. It's yes. harder to be that fast around other people. Yes. And, and it looked like he kind of sent it in on some guys and they, they kind of fed it back to him, but you never really seen them be strong. Not like Kimmy last year mm-hmm. at Watkins Glen, where he had a legitimate shot at finishing the top 10. And then this year at Coda, I don't even think he broke the top 20. No. Mm-mm. Or no, he did. He did at the end and got shuffled to the back. Yeah, he uh, finished what twenty ninth or something. Yeah, so. yeah. I just the the road course ringer. I don't like hearing it anymore because I think everybody that races in the Cup Series they're they're all in the right state of being a road course ringer. I mean, well, if you look uh, at the guys who who won the races and you look at how yeah. they how they raced, you know, I I could tell you right now, you know, twenty years ago. If we were going to, you know, Sears Point or Sonoma, right, or Watkins Glen, yeah, Gordon or Tony Stewart, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. If it wasn't going to be one of those two guys, if it was like, hey, look, you can pick Boris said or, or Robbie Gordon or yeah, you know, uh, Scott Speed, right? Like you look at those guys, yeah. and they, those guys would show up, and it was almost like you could just pencil in a top five finish, and they were going to be fast all weekend. They were going to run up front. They were going to do good. Now that's not the case. And part of it is because of the type of racing that we've seen in the the cup series now, right? We can talk about 
the lack of respect and the lack of give and take and all that stuff like that. But at the end of the day, because it is so hard to pass now and racing is so difficult, you can't just give room and be like, I'll get that guy back in a few laps. Those, those days are gone, even on the road courses. So now when you have these guys coming in, right? Jensen Button said it best. He's never gone through so many turns too wide before because you don't do that in Formula One. You don't do that in Formula One. You can't do that in Formula One. You could, you don't go through the chicanes double file because someone's no. jumping a wheel and going for a ride, right? You just you can't do that. Cup Series, and, you do that all the time. And what I found interesting in, in with what Button said, he said after the end of the race that he felt like he ran a whole F1 season in one race. Yes. That is uh, wild to me to think. Mm-hmm. But... But I think I think the road course ringer, at least in the Cup Series, yes, is dead because yes. AJ Allmendinger is proving that the road course ringer stuff is still true in the Xfinity Series side. Yeah, yeah, and, he's, and, he's incredible. And maybe if them guys went down and ran in the lower series, maybe it could spark the road course ringer thing back. I mean, I could be dead ass wrong too. I just I think it's a a dead subject in the cup series. Well, I it is, bec- it, but it, it really is. It is. And because, it has been for yeah. years. Yeah, it is because the, the road courses are very prevalent now, right? What do we have? Five or six of them on the schedule this yeah. year. You know, we well, have, there's one of them in the playoffs. You know, it used to be in, Sonoma Watkins Glen. That was it. There was two. In, <laughs> and now that there's so many road courses on the schedule, I think teams are focusing more on the road. Oh, absolutely. Programs. I mean, they've got to, yeah, and more so now the last couple of years than years past. But even then, <laughs> I, I don't remember, other than Kimmy running strong at Watkins Glen, a, a ringer coming in and running really good. Not I mean, outside long of the A.J. Allmendinger, but you can't really count him because he's ran full he's, seasons. Yeah, he's been in the Xfinity season. He's a veteran series in Cup series. series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. he's been around, so you can't even count him anymore. So Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm with you. All right, next. Tyler Reddick's win at Coda this this last Sunday shows that he is the best road racer in the Cup Series. Hit or miss the mark? I think it hits the mark. I mean, if you go back the last last season to now, I think that's a pretty good statement to say. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he was strong at RCR last year at the road courses, and he just he carried that momentum over to twenty three eleven. I didn't expect him to be that strong. Like I was like, damn. I did not see this coming, him and William Byron both. And it don't surprise me none because I think he is one of the better him and Chase Elliott. Yep. Kyle Larson, those guys you could you could put in a group of their own of being some of the strongest road course racers. Now there's mm-hmm. some other veterans that are solid that yes. I wouldn't count out. But with the new car, maybe count them out a little more because it you can't pass with this new car. You just can't. Unless you move them, but uh, yeah, I, I Tyler Reddick's the best so far. I I'm I'm with you. I I would be it would be hard pressed for me to pick another driver over him at a road course right now, with the exception of maybe Chase Elliott. Um, yeah, you know I I think Chase is really really good as well. But I mean, yeah, and you can even you know you listen to Denny Hamlin talk about Tyler Reddick, I'm right? Just mention <laughs> watching him in the simulator and him just being like, "Dude, this kid's at another How's he level." So fast? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that's I I think Reddick has is definitely shown it on the track, and for him to come over and get a win this fast at twenty three eleven in that car at Coda, and he was the class of the field. Right. Barring some kind of, you know, him just getting ran over on a restart or something at the end of yeah, that they race. Tried. They did. <laughs> they, they sure tried. They did. You know, but I I actually went back and I watched um the uh you know, if you go to like the NASCAR.com, you can pick different drivers and ride along in their car. Yeah. And they have different camera angles and stuff. Well, Kyle Bush's was from essentially like the passenger seat looking out his windshield. And Every single restart, Reddick was gone. He was gone. And keep in mind, Kyle Busch is a good road racer. <laughs> he's he's a very good he's driver. One of the better ones, I, yeah. would, I would definitely say that. Yeah, yeah, you know. And Reddick was gone. He was at he was on another level. So yeah, and, he's and he's in what, a class by himself. From what I noticed, just from watching it, it looked like 
Tyler Reddick could just dive it in deeper and break later, more yes. so than anybody else. It was, it was as a fan, it was impressive to sit back and watch. Like, holy crap! It was, it was. And the crazy thing is, is he's still really young. He's only going to get better. Hey, you think that was a big fu moment to RCR? Because he beat his old car. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I understand the 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 hit the, his di- the the Tyler Reddick RCR dynamic, um, and it sucks that that it, it everything went down the way that it did because of the fact that you know Kurt Busch got hurt, and obviously this year would obviously be a very difficult year for Tyler Reddick and RCR if he was still there. But I do have to say, I think both team, I think both teams got a win, right? In terms of, you know, the next couple of years, they're both in yeah. a very good spot. And in and in that same sense, you replaced an A A class driver with an A class driver. Yes. You mm-hmm. didn't get any any worse. If anything, both teams got better. Yes, I actually think that RCR, because as good as Tyler Reddick is, I still think Kyle Busch is better at this point. Yeah, and so I, I and think I, they have a better chance at a championship right now with Bush. And and not to get off subject, but yeah, I I was about to say that same exact thing. I think I think Kyle Bush brings RCR back to where RCR was at when Kevin Harvick was there. Yes, that they can legitimately compete for championships. Needs. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right. Last but not least, our final hit or miss: the appeals panel made the right decision by giving Hendrick Motorsports their points back from the L2 penalty they received for altering their louvers. Hit or miss the mark? Oh, it hits the mark. No, I'm just kidding. It it, <laughs> it fucking misses the mark. <laughs> I was so mad when I seen that they overturned it. Because he, here's my thing on it. And... And I bit my tongue in a group chat that I'm in. There was a comment that was said, well, they were still penalized for it. They just got their points back. Well, that's bullshit in my mind because... That's the R- most important part of the penalty. Yes. RFK didn't. When they tried appealing it, they they didn't win the appeal at no. all. And, and the argument was, well, RFK tried racing with it and, and Hendrick didn't. Well, how the hell do you think Hendrick was caught? Yes, they had him on the car. They were on the car. They were unapproved. It's something you can't adjust on this new car. Yes. You can't go out and you can't just start fiddling with the car like you could two years ago. For them to turn this peel back around and give them the points back, it just shows how inconsistent NASCAR is. Well, well, hold on. We got to clarify this because people need to understand this. The This is a third party. The panel does not work for NASCAR. Yep. The appeals panel yep. does not work for NASCAR. So NASCAR got NASCAR. NASCAR doesn't want this overturned. This is the last thing NASCAR wants. Yeah, absolutely. hundred yes. percent. Yes. And, and, and what blows my mind is you have a former race car driver, Bill Lester, on the appeals panel, I don't understand how you could turn around and, and say, nah, they're they're good. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. The part was a third-party part also. Once when the louvers are on the car, they're on the car. You can't do, even then, before they're on the car, you can't do nothing to them. They have to stay at spec. Now you can work inside the gray area. It was never said of what they were doing with the louvers yes whatever they were doing to them is what they found on the car 56 i think that's what they're calling it mm-hmm. they found it on that and they were trying to replicate that on the chevys and then colleague tried it and they were all busted yep and it it, it pissed me off when i seen it and then the comment of well they didn't race with it well it don't matter yes that they, they were found me. they were confiscated they were handed down a penalty it just they were in planning mind, on racing it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, they were, and you can't say that they weren't. Yes, that does not. That should not minimize a penalty. All right. No. Imagine a world championship boxing match, and a guy tests dirty before the fight for steroids. Okay, is his penalty any less than the guy who goes out and actually fights 
who got through the preliminary test and then tests after the fight positive for steroids. No, no, they were both using performance enhancing drugs. And according to the rules, right, if you're using like USADA, for example, then you you both cheated. That's all there is to it. And to me, this, I, let me first say this. I wish the teams could actually build some of these freaking cars. That's one of the things I loved about NASCAR was the fact yeah. that the teams built their and, cars. I, I do, but and, you can't have these rules and then open this up. You're no. opening up a whole different a gray, door. That's yes, to be <laughs> yes, exactly. Because now these teams know that, Hey, look, man, if we can, you know, and we don't know what the argument was that Hendrick used, right? We've heard all kinds of different stuff that the, the, the louvers that they were getting were not up to the, the correct spec. And so that's why they were modifying them. We've heard a bunch of different things. We're never going to know the truth, right? The only ones who are going to know the absolute truth of what they were trying to do are those guys at Hendrick who, who modified those louvers. So we're not going to know that, but at the end of the day, you can't, open this little gray area because we talk about it all the time and race teams are absolutely probably the most guilty of this than any other sport on the face of the planet if you give them an inch they're gonna take a mile and if they think that they can modify something or they can alter something or find even if it's just a tenth of a second on the track and then win the appeal because that's the thing it does not matter what nascar penalizes them if they can win the appeal and get their points back, you're going to see teams trying this. 100%. And, and, and here's what pisses me off about it. RFK wasn't doing it for a competitive advantage. They were trying to fix the car to run the car. Yes, they didn't. It, it was a freaking, there was a parts shortage. They couldn't get yeah, the parts. And, yeah. <laughs> and and I think what's going to piss me off even more is colleague is appealing their penalty. Mm -hmm. If their penalty is upheld, Yes, that, that's going to piss me off. And that's going to put it in my mind that, oh, this appeal panel is. What's the proper way to put it? They're they're not wanting to put a penalty against NASCAR's poster team. No, exactly. It's going to that they almost the only way I can see them upholding the penalty to colleague is the fact that NASCAR looks at the case that they made against Hendrick, sees maybe, you know, if they made a mistake or didn't present evidence in a correct way or something like that, and then they now go, okay, well, look, we, we've got to present it this way. And they they do it in a different manner with colleague, which then helps strengthen their case. That's the only way I can see this. Otherwise, you're 100% correct. You cannot, cannot overturn part of the penalty for Hendrick and then not do it for a colleague because it's going to 100% look like favoritism. It yeah. 100%. Now, now if they would have appealed it and they, they would have been like, well, you can have your crew chiefs back and, and we're not going to penalize you the money, but we're keeping the points. I would yes. have been okay with that. Yeah. The points were the been, big thing. I, I would have been a little better because now with, with the points back to where they were, now you got Alex Bowman back in first William Byron back in the top five, Kyle Larson back in the top 10. It's almost feeding the other teams like, hey, you can go mess with these. Yep. These yeah. cards. For it, opens up, it, it opens up it a just, potential gray area. Yeah. And, and, and let's be honest, there's some crew chiefs out there that are really good at working through the gray area. Oh, my God. Yes. I mean. I mean, <laughs> let, let's, let's go back to Texas a few years ago when Kevin Harvick won and he they were busted for the rear window bracings being mm -hmm. too short to where the rear window is dipping. Yep. Uh, I mean, it just, there's not all... a good look. No, it's not. It's not a good look at all. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with colleagues appeal and what happens with this moving forward. I, I'm really hoping that this does not open up Pandora's box when it comes to this stuff because and look like I said I'm, I'm the first one I, I wish the teams could build more stuff on these cars I really do but I understand why they're why they don't want them to because when it comes to racing you can spend billions of dollars just to shave off a tenth of a second and that does not sound like much and in our world it isn't much but in the racing world it's everything 
And there's only a couple of teams that can do that. And if they're able to do it and everybody else can't, we're right back to where we were with the Gen 6 car. And that's what NASCAR is trying to avoid. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see, not just with the the parts, but also from NASCAR's authority, I guess, right? I mean, think of, for, for those of you out there who are parents, right? Keith, you and me are both parents, right? Imagine if every time one of your kids does something and then you lay down a punishment and they immediately go to their mom, right? They'll, to the other parent and the other parent goes, oh, no, 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 you're, you're not grounded for a week. It's okay. After tomorrow, you can you can have your phone back, right? You, you'll be fine, right? At what point does the kid look at you, look at you and be like, well, I'm going to listen to you. You're, you're not the one who's passing judgment, right? I'll just go to mommy. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm afraid is going to happen with this is these teams are going to start looking at, right? If Denny Hamlin's penalty gets overturned, if colleagues gets overturned, right? There's a real potential issue of NASCAR losing authority where now it doesn't matter what NASCAR says. What matters is the appeals board. And that's something that I'm and, afraid we don't want. And and here's my thing. If they're going to uh, turn this penalty back around where where it's really not that big of a deal, then Denny Hamlin should be turned around immediately. Yeah. Because he, he'd never wrecked Ross Chastain. Yeah. Not once. He just yep. said, oh, I slid up the track, and if I'm going back there, he's going back there with me. He pushed yep. him wide. Yep. I just, uh, it pissed me off as soon as I seen it come across my phone. I was like, you've got to be shitting me. <laughs> yep. So. And, and it's not because I hate Hendrick and don't really like Chase Elliott. I just, if you're going to break the rules, got to Gotta stick with the penalty. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, we'll see what happens with calling, but that's going to do it for hit or miss. And when we come back after the break, we're going to dive into our NASCAR pick them where once again, I got my ass kicked. So stick around. All right. So NASCAR pick them time. Keith, once again, beat me. You had Jordan Taylor. I had Kimi Raikkonen. Neither of our drivers did very well in the race, we were, but they were battling for the shittiest. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they were battling for best of the rest in the 30s. So Jordan Taylor did finish ahead of Kimmy. So you got the win last week that now has increased your lead. You've won five weeks. I've won only one week. Um, so we've got Richmond coming up. It is your choice who are you going to pick for richmond oh boy i'm gonna go with christopher bell that i have already picked him you have not picked him that's who i'm gonna go with but that is a good choice the other guy i wanted to pick i used him at phoenix so i mean Sorry, Kevin. I can't use you twice. <laughs> Make the playoffs and I'll pick you again. But no, yeah. I, I got to go with Christopher Bell. He was really fast there the fall race. And if he comes back like that, maybe he'll win this time. Yeah, he, he did. Better. I need six in a row now. Yeah, exactly. Odd numbers suck. <laughs> yeah, uh, he definitely ran well there um, last year. You know, I mean, he just, yeah, he. That's a good pick, man. He's uh Christopher Bell's a rare talent. I think he gets slept on a lot. I think he does too. I think uh, he does too. For some reason, I just got it stuck in my mind that he's going to be the odd man out at JGR for whatever reason, which sucks because he. I think he's really good. I think Christopher Bell is an incredible talent. I really do. Um, you know, I when you talk about all around drivers, I would put him on that. Kyle Larson level. I really would, right? I mean, you know, he might not have the 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 NASCAR Cup success that Larson has, but drivability there. You could put those guys in anything. And it's I mean, it's gonna be a coin toss between who wins, right? So yeah, I think that's a good pick. I I I was I was really been hoping Bell would have had a better I was hoping he was going to have a better start to the season because obviously last year he came on really strong at the end there and and was making it through the playoffs there with those late late round heroics and winning the race but yeah I think that's a good pick I, I hopefully he'll 
hopefully he'll have a good um a good run at Richmond. All right, so I can't wait to see uh, which way you go with this. I'm so torn on who I want to pick, man. I'm so torn on who I want to pick. So tough because if you use somebody early, I know it's like, it sucks. Fuck, I should have just waited. Yeah, it sucks. So, um, I would actually, you know, I would like to pick William Byron, but I'm not going to because I don't want to pick one of the Hendrick guys while they don't have their crew chief. Um, not to yeah. Not to downplay the guys who are filling in right now, but I do but think that, that that's a big key factor, though. It's a huge overwork. factor. It's a huge factor. So, yeah, it's just um, I don't want to I don't want to do that because I I'm like I'm trying to save those guys for later. But oh my god, who am I gonna pick for Richmond, dude? Um, you know what? I'm gonna pick Denny Hamlet. I think Denny's gonna. I think Denny's gonna do good at the short track, uh, and, and he's usually really fast at Richmond too. He usually is, yeah. So I'm gonna pick Denny Hamlin. Hopefully, he'll uh, he'll have, like a, have know, a good run. After listening to Denny's podcast, I, I'm I'm I was never like a huge super fan of Denny Hamlin. Like I've always kind of liked him. Always thought he was arrogant as hell but after watching and listening to his podcast i I think i'm starting to turn into a big dh fan i've i've always liked denny hamlin man um he he reminds me a lot of the modern mark martin yes in multiple ways i've heard people kind of drawed me to him yes and i've heard people say that as as like um like a bad thing like it's a negative right like oh pff, you're the modern day mark martin that is awesome right like i yeah, i understand mark, mark was, a, was the dude yeah i understand mark martin never won a championship because unfortunately he just happened to you know be running during the yeah, dominance the, of jeff gordon and, and probably the strongest era of, yeah, NASCAR. of nascar but I mean, there's very few drivers out there that if you had a lineup of people that you could pick that Mark Martin's not at the top of that list. I mean, the guy and, was incredible. And and you know he's still well-respected in the garage Oh, area. my God. When Kevin Harvey comes out and says, I, I sat down with Mark Martin and talked about retirement with him before I made my final decision. Yeah. I think, I think that bolds well with the reputation of Mark Martin. Like, it's not like saying, hey, no, you kind of suck. You're Mark Martin. No, he never yeah. won a championship. Mark Martin's won a shitload of races. Yes. Mark Martin raced till what? He was 60? I mean, he was old. Yeah. And was still winning races. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, I uh I, I've always liked Hamlin. I've always I've always, you know, I, I just I like the I like the fact I just that like the old the old veterans. I, I I'm a fan of the old veterans that raced in in the early two thousand, yeah. late two thousand era. Yeah, he and just he has a little bit eyes. more of the old school driver in him, you know. I just I like him. So hopefully he can uh, get me a win in this NASCAR well, pick him at Richmond I, because I, I'm gonna get my ass that. kicked. I don't hope that I, <laughs> I need at least six, and then you can win one after that. <laughs> so all right, so that's our NASCAR I can finish pick one too, and I'll be happy with that. There you go. So you've got Christopher Bell, I've got Danny Hamlin. All right, so before we wrap up this week's show, we're gonna do our goat of the week. So Keith. Who is your greatest of all time for last week? All right, hold on to your seat. Everybody else, hold on to your, your pants. I'm giving my go to the week to Corey LaJoy. Nice. For, for being a small, semi-underfunded team to go in Dakota and to leave with a top 15 finish. They finished 11th, ran really strong all day, even had a penalty, went to the back. I think he went to the back twice. And drove back up into the top 10. I think Corey LaJoy in Spire Motorsports is turning the corner. And, and, and when I mean the corner, I think the right corner. I think they're yes. going down a very good path. It's, uh, it's bold to say that I think Corey LaJoy will win a race by the end of the season. I really do. I think Corey LaJoy sneaks into the playoffs. Now everybody's going to be looking at me like, well, what are you talking about? He may not have all the top tens and all the flashy finishes like everybody else, but he has been so damn consistent this season. 
Yes, and he he's has. ran a shitload better than he ever has. And I and he's one of them old school guys. He he came up with the with that era of race car drivers. I mean, look at his dad, Randy mm-hmm. LaJoy, raced with the Harvicks of the world and then the Hamlins. And I gotta give them the go to the week. I mean, it's just a small team going in Dakota that's not really he's not really that great of a I'm not going to say he's not that great of a road course racer, but road course racing is tough. And to leave there with 11th place after all the shenanigans that happened in turn one multiple times, I just think it's impressive. Yeah, it is. Um, I I love it. I am a huge Corey LaJoy fan. Um, Me too. I, I really am. Uh, I just, I don't know. I just really like the guy. You know, he kind of reminds me of like he's Clint Boyer. Yeah, yeah, but he, he kind of reminds me of like a Clint Boyer, you know what I mean? Like the way he talks and, and the way he looks, his perspective on things. Um, I just, I like the guy, man. And, uh, and his podcast is awesome to listen to. I think it's pretty funny, too. It is. It is. I Like I said, man, Thursdays are my favorite day of the week for podcasts because that's when I get to listen to all the racing ones that I haven't listened to yet this week. I always wait until after after we do ours, and then I, I listen to to you know dell jr and door bumper clear and now denny hamlin's and stacking pennies so yeah i always like listening to him because it's I, uh I, it's always cool i'm a firm believer that Corey lajoy will be with a big team next year i really think that he is starting to open the door all the way now and he's showing these big teams like hey look look at this guy in the seven yep because yeah, let's I, be honest when he was racing against logano he was beating logano in late models and modifieds, Corey oh, yeah. is no slouch. Yep. Yeah, he's, he's not, just, man. He was dealt a bad set of cards for his NASCAR career. Yep. So, yeah, that would uh, it would be awesome. Same time matters, and Corey LaJoy's proven it. Yep. So, yeah, I like it. I like it, man. That's a good pick. Yeah, for them to to do that at Coda is pretty incredible and it shows his his capabilities as a driver so yeah i like it man that's a good pick um my go to the week i'm gonna go it it's kind of a chalk pick but we talked about it in hit or miss uh i'm gonna go with tyler reddick for him to come in 23 11 get the win be that dominant it just shows how good of a driver he is and how good of a road racer he is and like we talked about with there being you know five road courses on the on the schedule um, yeah, it's a big deal, right? You can't just, you can't just go in and try to survive those races like they used to back in the day where it was like, all right, we got Sonoma and Watkins Glen. All we got to do is just not wreck and we'll be good. Um, you've got to actually prepare and, and be good at those tracks. And he has been the man at the road courses, um, over the last couple seasons. So that's like my that pick, pick, man. He I was really uh, awesome. Yeah. And, and I gotta, I gotta piggyback onto that. Just Listening to how emotional Kurt Busch was really shows how much Kurt really cares about NASCAR still. And in yeah. the 2011 team, I know I've seen some pretty shitty things said about Kurt on Twitter and in in the social media world. Let, let's not forget that that's supposed to be Kurt's car. Yeah. That, that's Kurt's team. That's, that's the team that Denny allowed Kurt to build and, I, I think it's awesome that they came in and won, and you couldn't have picked a better time to do it when Kurt was in the booth. Yep. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Yeah, and you could tell listening to him, and yeah, it was it was cool. Um, you know, it like we talked about earlier, it sucks the way that it happened with him getting the concussion and, and having to retire the way that he did, but it was definitely cool to see that car win with him up in the booth and yeah, yeah. you could definitely tell that you know and his his uh investment in that team and the sport was obviously prevalent in in that side of kurt bush should open up the the old heads that didn't like kurt bush because of his firecracker attitude that that should show how genuine kurt bush really is mm-hmm. yep. and him and him and kyle both i think have turned new leaves because kurt kurt's totally different than what he used to be and Kyle's totally different than what he used to be. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I think what makes it even better is when, cause I, I, I'll listen to Denny Hamlin's podcast on Sundays at work or Mondays at work. Sorry. Just, just to get a feel of topics and stuff like that. And, and to hear Denny say 
when Kurt's cleared, he can come back and run anytime. We got a car waiting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's it's cool, man. So. Yeah, I like that pick. Yep. All right. Sure. So that everybody is going to do it all for this week's pod. As always, thank you very much for downloading, sharing, subscribing, all that good stuff. Please keep it up. Um, you know, we do this just because we love to do it. And uh, yeah, we'll continue doing it if you do all that for us. So, Keith, my man, enjoy your weekend. Will do. You enjoy your birthday breakfast, dude. Yep, I I will. And then it's a long day of work ahead. So it's <laughs> <laughs> just another day. But that'll do it. Thank you guys very much as always. And until next week, take care.